0: to we go live or at least live to tape
1: live to tape or not tape there's no tape
0: here okay live to digital
1: live to digital live to youtube hello everybody in the youtube world and in the podcast world welcome to another edition of the media boat podcast thank you
0: Uh, welcome, welcome welcome
1: welcome it is Wednesday, July the 8th, 2020. This is another marooned edition of the Media Vote podcast as we continue to broadcast from remote locations.
0: Uh, no no current uh, timeline of when we will be back in the same room together.
1: No. Someday, perhaps. But for now, uh, we are bringing this podcast to you via the internet, the magic of the internet
0: the magic of editing and cameras and people being in, uh, within a space together.
1: Yes. Like the illusion <laughs> of <the> friendship.
0: <laughs> anyway. I guess that's um, one I, way to put it. His name is Mike. If I'm never, Mike. He's Matt. We are uh, Media Boat Podcast. He skips talking about us. I was getting us there. Us talking about movies, TV, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order.
1: Um, so thank you for joining us this week. Let's get rolling right into it. Hopefully a quick show this week. I don't think anything will get go too long. We always start the show with movies and here is some movie news for you. First up. is a story about something that I actually watched this past week? Uh, hey, I watched you it know, you too. too. Probably most of the world, at least the Disney plus subscribers world. Probably watch this as well. If you're a Disney Plus fan, or a Broadway fan, or just a a person who's aware of pop culture, you're probably aware that Hamilton, uh, the Broadway uh, musical, is now available in filmed form on Disney Plus as of Friday. Well, Disney is so proud of their little baby, uh, this thing they've birthed, uh, that they plan to uh, submit the project for various awards. Uh, which is not something that probably a lot of people saw coming. A lot of people thought, well, if this had been released theatrically in its original schedule, which would have been, what, at the end of this year? 2021. Well, it was next year. Yes. Well, then they would have made more sense. But now, to quickly release it via streaming, probably a lot of people didn't imagine that it would be
0: eligible for many awards, right? Well, Well, Disney's been talking about this for about the past month now. So
1: Disney is taking a stab nonetheless. Uh, They have already submitted for various Guild Awards and will let them decide on the eligibility of the film. They also have uh, plans to submit the streaming movie to the Academy Awards, possibly trying to argue that in the past stand-up comedy films have been eligible for Oscars. So, A lot of people are saying, well, they're not going to get much headway here. And the main reason is because of a 1997 rule uh, that got changed that basically said works that are essentially unfiltered records of performances are ineligible for awards. Basically, if you just have a stage performance and you're just shooting it and not changing it in any way, like with editing or like, with like special effects or something that alters it significantly, if that's just straight up the stage version of what you're of of the thing that you're filming, it shouldn't be eligible. That's at least what this rule change said. Um, speaking of rule changes, though, as we've reported through the year so far, the Academy did change the rules about streaming content in light of the uh, coronavirus and its restrictions on theatrical release. So. It would be an interesting turn of events if Hamilton was deemed ineligible for because of these recording stage performances rules as opposed to the streaming rules.
0: Yes, but doing my due diligence and watching the show multiple times and listening to multiple podcasts and multi- even Disney Plus's own behind the scenes on it, mm-hmm. uh these this performance was filmed at three separate times: twice in front of a large live audience, and once uh, specifically done for close-ups. So, technically, because they are three separate performances spliced together, that does count towards editing. And because there are like close-up shots and highlighted uh, effects that you won't get from watching it via a stage play, that does technically count towards it being an edited film so while that may be true
1: it looks like since this original story has come up it's already been shot down so i saw in a couple of articles uh today uh, variety had a piece that was basically the headline was straight up it will be ineligible for the oscars I'm not surprised. I I talked to a friend of the show, Christy, about this, uh, who was a big Mm -hmm. fan of the show and Broadway in general, musicals and plays in general, and her take on this was no, like no one thought that it would be eligible. There's no reason for it to be eligible. It had its, you know, it has its, its places where it can compete. The Variety article specifically pointed out that it's technically eligible for Emmys.
0: Yes, and it's that is awesome. I think where it can it can and probably will earn a lot yes. of awards. Right. But yeah, as you said, I yeah. saw the same thing from Variety for the actual Academy Awards. No. That's why they said they're gonna submit them and then let them deem it ineligible instead of say doing what they did for Lion King and just straight up not submitted as an animated film, yeah. which it totally should have been. So uh so I
1: say that yeah, probably don't hold your breath for an appearance um at the Oscars. I don't think this thing will be nominated for anything. However, if Disney puts their full, full push into the Emmys, I could see this doing pretty
0: well. Yeah, I can see that doing well, too. But we'll talk about that Later. in a quit hot second.
1: Well, first of all, let's finish up the news by talking about a second story, a recurring theme here on the Media Boat Podcast, driving in and seeing stuff. And this time... It's the idea of driving into a Walmart parking lot to watch a movie. A what? Yeah. So Walmart, giant evil conglomerate Walmart, has revealed plans to turn its parking lots into drive-in movie theaters starting in August. Converting them to drive-ins just needs a screen, projector, and the short-range broadcast equipment to deliver the sound to every vehicle. The company has created a website that sets early August for their opening. In a tweet, the company did reveal a little more about the initiative. It's a partnership with Tribeca, a company who's already been organizing movie showings at other drive-ins around the country. And like movie theaters, Walmart will be offering snacks through a car side service that will ensure social distancing is maintained. Whether or not the movies will be free, with Walmart making its money through concession sales, remains to be seen. I can't imagine you set up like a ticket kiosk for this thing. I would imagine that they probably just let a certain number of cars come in and yeah, they'll make up their money on the, the, on the snacks.
0: Yes. But I do see it being a problem where you have a car parked in a Walmart parking lot for three hours to be in front. Yeah. Or say, Hey, I'm going to park my car here, leave it. And then drive away in my other car. Yeah. wanted to come back and like, Hey, I parked here. Like say you park here, take your other car, go down to the local in and out, grab your food, have your dinner out there in that car. And then mosey on over to your other car. That's parked there.
1: I don't know if anybody's that clever, except for probably you. Um, so you want to try that and report back in August. Let us, let us know how that goes. It
0: forward. means going to a movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. In a drive in. Um, what I will say about this though, is it's a wonderful, uh, experiment in what we prioritize as a country and as businesses here, because remember back in March when we were all told that parking lots of these giant stores like targets and Walmarts would be used
0: for COVID-19 testing. Remember mm-hmm. that? Doesn't that seem so quaint? Uh, I believe I saw like all the CEOs and VPs stand out in front of the White House and claim that that's what they were going to do. Yeah,
1: they, they talked a big whole thing about, it, about how they were going to do it and they kissed Trump's ass and it was great, right? Yeah, that totally was going to happen. Anyway. <laughs> so drive-in movies. I guess that's a good like replacement for uh, Profits. Profits bottom line
0: uh, was our slogan it's a business uh,
1: yeah but it doesn't have to be this gross well, no. let's <laughs> move on and talk about something decidedly not gross we both watched the aforementioned disney
0: plus hamilton which up front what not about hams or porks or anything like that up front no totally well, caught me by surprise no ham
1: nope. uh however it is about alexander hamilton founding father i, I
0: believe you have to sing it now Uh, That is the Disney Plus rule. No, it's not a rule.
1: Not a rule here in the Media (laughs) Boat Podcast. So, here's my question to you. Before watching this version, had you seen or heard anything from this show?
0: My brother saw it in Mm -hmm. Pantages, I believe, when Mm -hmm. it came out touring out here. And he saw it, and he loved it, and claimed it was the best thing ever. Yeah, I said, okay, yeah, I'll I'd like to give the audio a shot and listen to it, but at the same time, I knowing me, I wouldn't put like a visual to it, so it'd be kind of like a wasted point of my first exposure to it. And granted, this was back in 2016, 2017. Yeah. Uh, So like, I knew of it, and obviously won all the Tonys at that time. Uh, A lot of awards, lots of praise. Lin-Manuel Miranda got Moana. Not from it, but helped. Yeah, put well, him yeah, that, into more of a main put his stage. image, up
1: for sure. Yeah. So this was your first time seeing or hearing it,
0: basically. Yes, more or less. More or less. So, uh, I, I had heard the parodies versions of yeah. a couple of songs, right? But never the actual songs themselves. Okay. So yeah, that sounds about right. That seems
1: like a, about the level that most people are coming into this with, because. It's an expensive show. Um, even the touring, like, of course, there was the running joke about the Broadway show being super expensive and how, like, rich people saw it. Like, that was the whole joke, right? Was, right, yeah, take
0: out a oh, loan to see Hamilton. Yeah,
1: the rich people got to see Hamilton. Um, and then even when it came touring out here, um, I remember the kind of conversation was always about, well, tickets are kind of crazy. Like, you have to get in really early to get a decent deal. And so, yeah, it's been this thing that's been prohibitive to a lot of people to actually see. Well, of course, there is the soundtrack. Most people can just stream it on Spotify for free. So there's that. But I was with you. I, my whole thing was is like, yeah, I could listen to this without seeing the visual part. But I think I'd rather wait and see it while I hear it.
0: I think it does, listening to soundtracks, takes away some of it. Cause it is because being a part of play, it is an audio and visual experience that you're.
1: It's a, yeah, it's a different beast, and uh, I wish I did have a friend of the show, Christy, here to talk about this because she was in on the ground floor of this thing before it was even a Broadway show. She apparently was a big fan of Lin's beforehand from her from his previous uh, Broadway the musical Heights. in the Heights. And then, I guess, followed kind of the the saga of him basically introducing the idea of Hamilton in this, like, smaller form. Again, Mm -hmm. she could speak to this better than I can. I am only picking up information secondhand. And this was, like, late 2014. Like, this was really early on. And so she's basically followed the project every step of the way. So she's a huge, huge fan of it.
0: Um, I was first familiar with it when... Lynn Manuel Miranda sang it in front of President Obama,
1: right, right I right. did
0: the early draft, I think yeah. one of the songs
1: it did happen, uh so yeah, that's part of the whole like the the legacy of this thing mm-hmm. um then I uh thanks to a friend of the show, Christy, actually got to see the show uh, in when it was down here at the Seekerstrom in Costa Mesa. uh this was probably around May. Either late May or two early years. June of last year, or I no, two years ago. Sorry, it was two years. Ago. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was really cool I, that to actually get to see it, and I so I finally got that experience. So now, flash forward to now, where we're able to all see the uh, the filmed version of it, which, as you said earlier, is kind of a stitching together of multiple shows, so that we you can get really cool angles, close ups. And it's the original cast with Lin- Lin-Manuel Miranda as the lead character. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty much the ideal way of seeing it. And I think it's going to, like, bring the show to a lot more people. It's accessible now, finally, to the broad populace.
0: So, on that note, what'd you think? With all that preamble out of yes. the way, <laughs> yes. Uh, the whole setup here, it was pretty phenomenal. Okay. I watched it three times. Wow. Four times. You know, it's it's Wednesday, right? So that means... Yeah, and? You only had so many days. I mean, like, every day? Well, see, so, you, so I didn't just, watch it on the Friday it came out. Okay. And I didn't watch it Saturday because 4th of July, obviously. But you watched it daily. I watched it Sunday. <laughs> I watched it Sunday. And then I watched it Monday. And no. I watched it behind the scenes on Monday. And I watched it Tuesday. <laughs> Again, right?
1: <laughs> okay, so are you a musical person typically or is this an exception to the rule? I like Grace. Ugh, okay.
0: Uh, I was in musical theater in middle school. Um, I saw a couple plays in high school productions. Was never a part of it. Mm. And so I have a passing fancy for it I guess you could say. Okay. I like I do like going to the theater. I do like the idea of a live performance. I just haven't actually gone to it <laughs> yeah. in a while. It's,
1: yeah, because it's that accessibility thing. It's, it's a different thing than just going to see a movie around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what particularly was the thing that worked for you here? Was it, was it the way that this was uh, like choreographed and, like, and staged? Because one of the cool things I think about the show is that is the lighting. Which I don't know necessarily comes across as well in the film version as it does on stage. Or was it the approach to music, where this is more of a hip hop influenced musical, a lot of different styles of rap, a lot of callbacks to famous rap songs?
0: Well, as you know, I have a really big, I guess, fancy, you can call it, history buff. Right, on the history angle, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. History angle it proposes. And so from there, from my first view, I really liked it from that aspect and also from. It being presented as a hip-hop musical in the uh, musical aspect. Watching it a second time, I was watching the blocking and the lighting and all of that. Watching it a third time, I was like Mm -hmm. really invested into character motives at the time.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I I think that's one thing that it gains from Disney Plus in having multiple watches that you can pick up on all these additional things that you can rather than seeing the play once. Like, wait, did that happen or did it happen this way? Yeah. Parking first. Yeah. And I no, think also different. having it on the Disney, pl- also having it streaming and readily available allows you to watch it with the up close angles than you would have rather than from, say, a distance like most people would.
1: Yes. uh One thing I will say is that when I saw the show in real life, we were pretty far up. And so I had kind of a hard time making out faces and kind of really like, I think there is a bit of a disconnect when you're that far away and I didn't bring my little, you know, opera glasses either. Um, (laughs) Binoculars. (laughs) Binoculars. Uh, But yeah, in this case, um, it does help to see uh, close-ups of the characters and it did help me notice some things I had never noticed before with a lot of the performances, which was cool. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Uh, One thing also that most people probably don't realize that they can do, but probably should is once you see them, seen it once or twice turn it on with subtitles because you'll catch a lot of the banter and lyrical play going on that yeah. you normally wouldn't catch just by listening to it
1: because yeah one of the things about it being a hip-hop style musical is that a lot of the dialogue goes very quickly
0: oh david diggs goes very quickly <laughs> yes yeah,
1: specific characters for sure and so you definitely have moments where you're like wait wait i missed that
0: and this I, I, I caught I, I caught five things, but I'm sure there's probably like 10 other things that just won't write by me.
1: Yeah, and honestly, all the Hamilton heads are probably looking at us and being like, well, you just need to listen to 100 times and you won't miss... I, I believe they're
0: called fans. Oh, are they? I have no idea. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> Anyways, what I'm saying is that, like, there are probably people out there who are like, oh, well, if you memorize the whole thing, if you listen to it enough, it's like, yeah, there's that, but... <laughs> but yeah, um, so... I thought that this was an interesting approach that they took to filming it. Uh, my take on it really early was, I wish this was more dynamic. And it, I feel like it got there, but in the first like 30 to 45 minutes of the show, I didn't think it was shot that interestingly. I thought they would want... So my feeling is, is that this show has a lot of a different kind of energy than a lot of musicals does it because of that hip hop flavor. It like, I feel like it's more kinetic and it moves a little bit more and when you see it in, in, in real life, especially if you're seeing it from like kind of like an uh, angle where you're seeing it from above almost mm-hmm. a lot of things are going on and a lot of movement is happening at the screen. And so I wish or on the stage in that case, but on the screen in this case, and I think I wish that a lot more of it was more moved in that way a little bit more, was a little bit more kinetic. And I think it got there as the, as the performance went on. But initially, that was my thought. I was like, I kind of wish this was shot more like, maybe like a little bit more of a music video kind of energy. because I think it was lacking a little of the, of the movement that I felt in the music from the visuals.
0: Yeah, but I think that the visual cues that they represented and the way they ed- it was edited together were knitted well together between both of them. Um, you know, highlighting right stage, left stage, making mm-hmm. sure that you follow, you pull back for all the big lighting cues, all the big directional, and then c- pulling close up when people need it to be highlighted, when they need it, when all the focus needed to be on them.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it is, like, you're all, you are I'm not saying you're wrong, but you are, You are pointing out a big factor that when you watch a play, you're watching the entirety of the play. Right. And whereas you're watching a film, sometimes, most of the time, it kind of narrows your vision to one character. Yeah. To one specific moment. And so I think. To one angle rather than the whole picture that you would get in the stage play.
1: So I think, like, ultimately, I don't think it was an incorrect decision. I think they did the best with what they were, like, what they were able to do. It's just that I think that this is such a unique kind of sounding and looking show. I don't know if it was a match that really meshed in my mind. But that being said, I feel like most people never even have that thought. Because when it does get moving, it moves pretty impressively. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of my first take on it. And then by the end of it, I was like, okay, yeah, like... They did, they did what they needed to do. They shot this musical. And I think that ultimately the f- content here, the actual musical itself, is going to be, the, I think, the dividing line for a lot of people. Because what I've seen on uh, social media this week has proven that there is a big division between how people feel about this thing.
0: Right. And seeing as you saw the play before you saw the film, I think you have a skewed version of... Mm-hmm the play that you saw in your mind versus what you saw on Disney Plus, whereas most people don't have that pre-knowledge vision of even probably the musical itself. Like they know of it, but haven't listened to it. So the Disney Plus version is their introduction to it.
1: Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see if as time goes on, this is seen as the definitive version and whether, because it was more accessible and more people saw it, It'll be really interesting to see like the legacy of of this going forward, especially down the line when we do return to blockbuster movie seasons where regular releases are happening. And then maybe we see like maybe a re-release or something in theaters in 2021 or something uh, where Disney wants to recapture the event part of it that they kind of lost here.
0: Well, I mean, you could be, looking at like a lion king aspect where you have the animated film the broadway version of the play and then the most recent 2019 version that came out three different versions of the same story but depending on which one you're being first exposed to or have the most like connection with could vary your your take on the other two
1: yeah so i don't know it's a there's a lot to talk about here. It's a, lot of, it's a multifaceted kind of thing. What I will say, though, is that, yeah, it's an enjoyable time if you like musical theater, if you've been compelled to find out from family members or people on the internet that have told you about how great it is. I will say it's not for everybody. Um, as with most musicals, um, I think that there's an element of kind of cheesiness that you have to get past, I think, for some people to enjoy it. I think a lot of people are going to see it's like, okay, rapping founding fathers, like, count me out. Uh, And so it's not going to be literally for everybody. Also, there's some muddy stuff about the historical representation here. There's been a conversation on social media this week about, you know, about like, about whether or not we should be celebrating a figure who is maybe good in some ways, but maybe not so great in other historical ways. You know, there's a conversation there. I think, um, I didn't read what it was, but I think Lin-Manuel actually did release a statement over the last couple of days about the relationship of his characters and how he told the story with kind of the, the cloud of slavery and the cl- kind of cloud of kind of the not-so-great
0: elements of the Founding Father story. It, it is brought up throughout the it is mentioned. play. It is mentioned. So, so it wasn't like completely omitted. So both the
1: musical and the uh, biography on which it's based do address slavery they do address some kind of the not so great parts of of hamilton's character there's a whole arc in the in the musical that does go over a mistake that he made let's say and how it affected him politically and personally and um yeah like it doesn't shy away from that content i don't think that that's what people are saying i think it's more like a big picture kind of thing it's like okay the play as a work is celebrating this man it's like saying that yes he did have flaws but ultimately here's all the good stuff and without spoiling the show for people who haven't seen it there is there is a part at the end where someone close to him does kind of recap in a way of like yeah all this stuff happened but here's what the man was and here's why i'm proud of him essentially and so yeah like it has a bias it has like a point of view I think a lot of people are basically saying does not show the historical fullness of the character of the actual man. And so, you know, like I said, so there are grains of salt and there are barriers, I think, for some people to get really into this thing, but for what it is, for what, for the music, for a musical that is about a historical figure, I think it's an enjoyable time with a fun soundtrack and a lot of cool moments.
0: Well, it is an entertainment yes medium yes it's there to entertain you not to either shame you or provide historical accuracy in (laughs) a sense
1: but i think but i think it's really important and it's something that i've always said here on the media book podcast i think it's really important to be able to criticize something for things it shortcoming for the shortcomings it does have but also be able to enjoy it i think you can have both i don't think they're mutually exclusive right which we'll return to in a video game section later. Let's <laughs> continue moving on, though. Because, well, let's get uh, to
0: there by... Uh, oh, what, what's our uh, rating on Hamilton?
1: Uh, I mean, it's, I'd say, well, we don't have any ratings here because everything's Stream
0: It now. So this is a Stream It?
1: With a Stream <laughs> It by default. You can't go see it, in fact. Right. You cannot. It's not in the theater. Now, um, let's say
0: they do a theatrical the re-release of it. And it's safe to go back in theaters. Would 2021 you
1: buy a into 2021, maybe.
0: I okay. bet they'll re-release it. Would you buy a ticket to go see it in a the theater?
1: I mean, yeah, Christy will probably want to, so probably.
0: Okay, Disney releases the sing-along version. Will you go to it? <laughs> oh, she'll want to go
1: to that. Okay. Version. I feel like, yeah, this decision is not in my hands. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about... Television, and we always start the television section with sports, and some movement happened in sports this week. Some things uh, some news broke.: So people got paid, Some people got paid, some people got their schedules. Let's talk about it. First up, Jimmy Johnson, him of the Anything with an engine, um, has now uh, misses, missed a NASCAR race because guess what? He tested positive for COVID-19.
0: Yes, this ends his streak of consecutive races. Um, it puts him at sixth, I believe, at all time. He was on his way to be number one, all obviously. Right. But, yeah, it, this stops that streak. Um, unfortunate. But, hey, the sixth most races consecutive races. But, yeah, uh, that was unfortunate news because that came out, like, on Thursday right before they were running the weekend. Right. So he immediately did not show up. He was just yeah. like, all right, I'm not gonna be there.
1: So of course we wish him a hopeful recovery and we uh, hope that Two weeks back,
0: right? two weeks before he tests has mm-hmm. to test positive twice in a row. Right.
1: We will see how yep. he goes. Next up, football. When football starts, um uh, supposedly, uh they'll have a little bit of a change in the um Decorum. Pre-game kind of ceremony, kind of uh, thing. So, uh, I it's guess the before, pre-game. yeah, the pre-game. Well, I don't know, like if there was a specific name for it.
0: It's called a pre-game.
1: You're the pre-game.
0: Most people pre-game in the tailgate. I thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say. I thought the pre-game was when
1: you pound beers in the parking lot, but yeah, either way. Um, so, as you know, they usually play the uh, national anthem. Uh, before the game. Well, now they will not only do that. I'm assuming they're not removing the National Anthem No, they're no,
0: not removing the National Anthem
1: uh, But they will also be playing the song lift every voice and sing a song commonly referred to as the black National Anthem That's in quotes. That's not me saying that that's the story um, During week one of the uh, game uh, of the season I should say so uh, I guess this is their little tiny concession uh, to the Black Lives Matter movement
0: uh, this is them doing this instead of allowing players to wear any phrases or any like political movements on their uniforms,
1: which is what the basketball is doing, right? Which is what correct. They, what they,
0: basketball has allowed them to do that. Yeah. Uh, I believe during warmups, but not during the actual game. So
1: you know, it's something small. It's not a. It's not. I don't think enough. I mean, obviously, there was the whole elephant in the room of. Uh, Colin Kaepernick still could play football that they probably should maybe think about. But besides that, <laughs> here we are. It's something. It's something. It's something. Uh, meanwhile in football, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomey. The ma, ma, paid. <laughs> ma, ma paid, exactly. because got
0: Mahomes fat. got mo' money.
1: Yep. Mo' money, mo' homes. For 10-year deal for the Chiefs worth $503 million.
0: Yes, that's additional to the two-year extension he signed, Mm. which puts him as a Kansas City Chiefs through 2031.
1: That's a long time to be a quarterback of any team.
0: Uh, It is currently the longest contract in the NFL, um, and one of five players, four players? One of four players only contracted... Into the into the twenty thirty plus season. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Uh, the other four players, baseball players, one yeah. including Mike Trout.
1: <laughs> imagine, yeah, not football. That's for sure. Yep, this is crazy, but it's also a crazy amount of money. Um, so Mahomes is going to buy a whole lot more homes, I think, after after getting such a paycheck. Uh,
0: he, I think, he allows him to buy a perma home.
1: Perma home, probably multiple at this point. I mean, I would
0: buy it now, so that way, should anything happen? (laughs) Yeah, because it's football.
1: Anything can happen.
0: Yep. I believe 400 of it is, 400 million of it is guaranteed. And then, uh, like, as it gets later on, there are options to opt out on Mahomes' behalf right? if he wants to play for another team.
1: Which makes sense because he'll get older. He might not want to play. Like that might be done. So we'll see.
0: Right, yeah, Paul and Andrew Luck.
1: Yeah, exactly. And lastly, last bit of football news is that uh, in lieu of the quest, big question mark about the actual season, uh, we now at least know that they've canceled preseason. They canceled two in games.
0: They canceled two games, narrowing um, it down to two preseason games. The NFL PA has already agreed that they are willing to let go of the, even those two remaining preseason games. It's up to the NFL if they want to as well. Yeah. So the players are on board with going straight into week one. Um, they will, of course, be practicing and doing exhibitions against themselves in their own training camps and leading mm-hmm. up to week one. But whether they want to play against other teams currently, the, it's been narrowed down to two teams for two weeks, where they want, to, where the NFL actually wants to have those two teams play. It's up to them now.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting how this all kind of you see all these parallels between all of the the leagues, and they're all doing different things, and it's hard to keep track of. But it's it's interesting nonetheless to see where they draw their lines.
0: Yeah. Well, I saw it broken down in a really interesting way, which was that in order to get two week one of just playing against someone else, it's forty-eight days. Okay, to play four games against—I mean, for for four weeks of preseason—that's twenty-eight days, four times seven. So, seeing as we are running out of time,
1: yeah,
0: it and you break it down like that, it's a lot of days, and then you're playing against other people which don't count towards anything. And if you catch something and you're out the first two weeks, yeah, possibly longer. Right. It has ripple effects. Yes.
1: So, yeah. I mean, honestly, this is probably smart or at least smarter than what they were going to do. I think ultimately none of this is smart and it's crazy that people are going to be expected to play games at all. Uh, but, you know, if it's going to happen, at least they're taking some precautions.
0: Yeah, expect everyone to be, like, full-on gloves, long sleeves, full everything, no skin showing anywhere, Yeah, turtlenecks.
1: Turtlenecks.
0: Which brings us to
1: uh, a little bit of an update about another sport, baseball. So, last week we said that it was a go for the 60-game season. Mm -hmm. That's still the case. Teams now have their schedules as of this past weekend. Uh, so you can see all of the things As we discussed in previous weeks uh, It's a Like the first I don't know You you know this better than I do Where it's like They've divided into Like there's uh, Like cross league games And then there's some interleague games
0: You play a bulk of your season During in, doing interleague games mm-hmm. And then you play the Counter league equivalent So right. AL West plays NL West South plays South North plays North
1: yeah. And then there's like the rule about that visiting teams can only visit one city in the same, like,
0: yeah, they're trying, I think that's how they worked it out period of time or so you only, if you're visiting, you only visit once. Right. But you play like four games within that one span.
1: Yeah. So they figured it all out. So you can go on to uh, the internet and see when your favorite team is playing here, down here in Southern California, the Angels are playing 18 straight games.
0: Yeah, I found this interesting that really? because they're playing 60 games in 90 days or whatever, in 80 days, that yeah. there's only like seven, game, seven days where they don't have a game. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. That's so much hard work. Uh, that's including like ending a game. Getting on a plane to play in a different city against a different team that next day. Yeah, it's insane. There's no travel breaks. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I took a look at the schedule here. Uh, seems like the the first uh, of their first official games on the twenty fourth, I believe. Yeah. Um, of this month, and then um, yeah, it kind of continues through there. Uh, they do have a series uh, pretty early on against the Astros, which will be interesting. Uh, they and they end with a series against the Dodgers.
0: Uh, also, for those of you out there, look up your local team, because you may be able to buy a big head space in the bleachers, in the stands, for your face <laughs> in lieu of fans.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you can't go to the game, but you can at least put your face there, I guess, if you want. Also, it looks like there will be some sort of telecast for a lot of these games. Some mm-hmm. very, very few games, but some games do have um, already have uh, networks in which they will be shown. Yes. ESPN seems to have s- the rights to a handful of games, including that first Angels game, which is good for us. Yes. Um, um, however, will some of them as well. It seems yeah. To
0: be uh, the ESPN deal will immediately ram against the NBA deal that they have, and they will prioritize NBA over the MLB. Yes. Because Disney owns both. Um, But I wonder if you saw this or if you even noticed it, but most of the games being played in the MLB schedule are not day games.
1: Right. They are night
0: games. Yes. Which, does it really need to be a night game if no one's going to be there?
1: (laughs) I think it's it probably is a TV thing. It's probably a TV thing because you're not going to get the ratings that you need uh, for advertisers uh, by showing a game in the middle of the day, especially a weekday.
0: Yes, but most of us are home, which we're going to have the yes. TV on anyways. You
1: might be home, but you're still probably working, and they know that. And people who are working are less likely to have the game on, and they're paying attention to
0: those ads. It's all about that ad revenue. Right, but there's several gate like weekday games where there's not even one yeah. day game. Like put one day game somewhere. I did see a day game.
1: I saw like an eleven thirty-five in the morning game. Right, th- but that
0: was probably on a Saturday, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. And exactly. I was like, that's weird. Cause I I because I, I remember looking through his PM, 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 and then it was like that 1 a.m. and I was like, eleven thirty-five. What a weird ass time. So yeah, look at your local listings. Uh speaking of local listings, I don't know if the um because of how slim the tv offerings are i don't know if they're going to be offered at all to local providers i assume they will be and maybe those schedules just aren't out so like i don't know if your fox sports west's for example will get to show some of these games it doesn't i don't know There's, this will be a big question mark i think until this, these games start airing
0: I'm not sure either, but I did see a big opinion piece on not just MLB broadcasting, but sports broadcasting rights in general. Yeah. And how those could be in flux for not just for this year, but for years on end, how ballooned they have become over the years. So, yeah. And maybe we'll they'll see. start cutting back.
1: The last thing I will say about the uh, potential of broadcasting these games, though, is one thing we will miss. No, like, cutaways to uh, in-stadium food. You won't have
0: any. There's no in stadium food. You can't show the freaking chili dog being made. You can't have uh, someone with a camera walking around. Yeah. Watching people cuz there are no people to watch walk through the stadium. Just watch the, the
1: just uh just show some uh, pitchers practicing in the bullpen. That's all you can do.
0: But we'll still get the rally monkey.
1: Still get the rally monkey somehow. He's there cuz he's the, you can't catch COVID. He's there.
0: Nope. Because uh, right. if you make noise, he will come. He
1: will come. Just the thunder sticks. Dig them out. Dust him off. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, because there's more things happening in sports. I have no idea what this next story means, so I'm going to let you have this one.
0: Oh, you're talking about uh, Mickey Suda eating 48 hot dogs and buns? And That's Joey Chestnut eating 75 hot dogs and buns. Because this past Saturday was the Nathan's hot dog... To eating competition.
1: I was like, all you have here is he eats 48 HDB. And I'm like, what's HDB? What is this jargon? I've never seen this. Hot in dogs my life. and buns. Hot dogs and buns. Yes. Wow. Well, that's pretty impressive. Uh,
0: both of those are records for the women's division and the men's division. <laughs> um, a little bit of an asterisk there because these were not held outside in 90 degree heat, but rather indoors at the cool 75 degree temperature. <laughs> Uh, That being said, though, just seeing those numbers of hot dogs is giving me, like,
1: indigestion. Like, my stomach is just, like, lurching. 48 hot
0: dogs in 10 minutes? I can't eat two hot
1: dogs in that amount of time and not feel miserable.
0: (laughs) Well, that's because you're eating normal hot dogs. These are Nathan's hot dogs. I don't think it matters. That doesn't matter. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. Eating. Some people are good
1: at it. Meanwhile, let's uh, travel over to the Fight Island because UFC is going to have their first fights there. Fight Island. It's real. Fight Island is real. It is my friend. Uh, So they start fighting at Fight Island on Saturday.
0: Yep, Fight Island is happening. Uh, Some of the fires have already shown up there because it's in Abu Dhabi. Uh, It's on Yas Island in Abu Dhabi. Yas. So they have to be there for the time change. But yes, we get Fight Island for the next four weeks, I believe. (laughs)
1: We'll see. I mean, this is how uh, this is how uh, the video game series Dead or Alive started. So uh, (laughs) probably the same thing here. There's
0: going to be clones. I think you mean Mortal 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 Kombat. What was that? A Mortal Kombat type tournament. Right. Maybe
1: like it'll pull a Tekken and somebody will get thrown into a volcano. We'll see.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, Lastly
1: in sports here, soccer. The MLS tournament begins July 8th.
0: Yep. uh, That's Today. Today <laughs> I was gonna say that's today yep uh m l s teams have arrived in uh what was it the uh e s p n sports complex in orlando Florida they're being hosted by disney so they will be staying in there mm-hmm. and yeah they're playing a tournament there also real quickly matt, look up what the n b a players are eating on twitter eating yeah because. Uh, Fire Festival was trending yesterday.
1: Oh, I did see uh, that Fire Festival was trending yes. with NBA, and I didn't know what that meant.
0: That's why, because some of the food that these players are getting are not substantially up to par to feed a finely tuned athletic machine. <laughs> NBA best NBA food twenty
1: twenty memes.
0: Yep. We'll up later.
1: <laughs> Good to know. All right, anything else in sports before we move on to television news?
0: Uh, That was the last thing I had for sports. We
1: covered it, yeah. I think that was pretty thorough. All right, moving on to television news. Our first story is crossover, epic crossover event between television and video games as Amazon Studios has announced that it's acquired the television rights to the Fallout franchise, Bethesda's own Fallout games, which will be adapted into a show executive produced by Westworld creators Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. Other executive producers include Bethesda's own Todd Howard and James Altman from Bethesda as well. Nolan and Joy are currently in pre-production on Amazon's techno-thriller drama *The Peripheral*, based on the William Gibson novel, which follows a woman in near-future America in which technology has started to subtly alter society. Uh, this is done. The saw is done under the recent overall deal with Amazon Studios. So, Fallout TV series, will you watch it?
0: Um, I'm going to hold judgment because I want to see how they do the Lord of the Rings T V series oh, okay. first. Yeah. Just because I like what they're doing with the boys and with Jack Reacher mm. and with uh what was the other one? Upload. So they have some good stuff on there that I like. Um I've been delved like entirely into their exclusives exclusives. I'm not like all in on it like I was with Netflix when they mm. started doing all their exclusives but this does sound exciting it sounds interesting
1: exciting might be yeah interesting is probably the better word i don't know if exciting qualifies because i don't know if it's just fallout burnout or burnout overall on um shows about post apocalypses but like mm-hmm. between this and the tv uh ad- adaptation of the last of us that's happening it just all seems so samey like i'm just imagine like i can see the show already in my head i can see the beats like, it opens where the person's coming out of the vault for the first time. No, no, it, no. Pack. It
0: opens with them going into the vault.
1: Oh, yeah, good point. Into the vault. Then you have, like, the first couple episodes are about the, inside the vault. And mm-hmm. it gets out because of whatever reason.
0: For some reason, it opens up one reason or another.
1: But that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it, I feel like it's so color by numbers at this point to adapt a game like Fallout. The reason why Fallout works is because it's a video game. Because you are making these decisions and affecting the landscape with these decisions you're making, with a TV show it becomes a little bit more rote, and I worry that it's going to lose that fun part of Fallout, and it's just going to be dark and dreary and walking deadish, and it's just not going to be fun.
0: You could say same same thing about The Witcher.
1: And I heard that that ended up being okay. I feel like a lot of people liked that adaptation of The Witcher. But The Witcher has the advantage of being in a world where magic can happen, right? Whereas Fallout is just dreary techno. It's techno magic. Yeah, there's no no fantasy to it. There's not a fantasy. In fact, it's like anti-fantasy in a way where it's like, no, everything's gone to shit. Like, it sucks here. Like, we all hate it. (laughs) I don't know. And then the aesthetic is already built into the thing. So it's like, oh, you're going to get your classic, like, old crooners on the radio. You're going to see the Vault Boy on everything. You're going to get your Nuka-Cola signs and, like, pin-up girls. It's, you know, I don't know. I'm the least, I could not be less excited for an adaptation. Let's get Chris on here. He's excited about it, right? (laughs) I'm sure there are people. I'm sure there are people who are jazzed about this thing. But I just, I don't get it. We'll see.
0: We got something to look forward to then. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, it's on Amazon. I'm not going to be watching it anyways. So (laughs) let's move on to our second story here. Because everything gets a reboot. Here's our newest reboot. The Wonder Years. Uh, You mean the Blunder Years? No, the Wonder Years. the, The original ABC classic. So... ABC has handed a pilot production committ- commitment to The Wonder Years, a new iteration of the network's 1980s family comedy drama. It comes from Dave, executive producer, Saladin K. Patterson, Empire co-creator Lee Daniels, yes, of
0: The Butler. Of The phase. Butler, Lee Daniels.
1: The original series is breakout star Fred Savage, of course, because he has to be involved, and 20th Century Fox Television. The new incarnation of Wonder Years chronicles how a middle-class black family in Montgomery in the turbulent late 1960s, the same era, of course, as the original series, made sure it was the Wonder Years for them, too. Savage will direct the potential pilot. He and Patterson executive produce The Half Hour Project with Lee Daniels Entertainment, Daniels himself, and Mark Velez. Savages' recent directing credits include the ABC comedy series *Modern Family*, *The Conners*, and *Single Parents*. Yeah, this is kind of his, uh, his second uh, second uh, career, you could say, has been mm-hmm. directing for television. So it makes sense that Savage himself would be involved. So What are your thoughts about bringing back the *Wonder Years*? Did you do you have any nostalgia for watching repeats of the *Wonder Years* when you were young?
0: I have nostalgia for the opening. I'm sure, sure yeah. that I watched it. Because I remember the opening so vividly. However, like the actual like any plot relevance to it, no. Yeah. I just know that it's a thing.
1: We we watched it a little bit when I was younger. I I watched it enough to get the idea of what it was, mm-hmm. and I do like there was something I was there's some show that did a really good parody re- semi recently, and I forget what it was, but where like an entire episode opens in like a Wonder Years pastiche. Now, which I could wish I could remember what show that was, but yeah, it's like it's a very seminal thing because everybody's like, "Oh yeah, there's the narration through the whole thing," and like it's a very like specific kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see a different take on it. I like that they're changing it up and focusing on a black family this time. That's cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, are you okay with the same time frame of being in the late nineteen sixties? I, I think, think it opened in nineteen. 19- like, the opening scene is 1968?
1: Well, think of it this way. If you did it the same way as it was in the 80s, 20 years ago, that show would be about the 90s, or, the, like, the, it would be about the late 90s. And I would be fine with that. <laughs> I just think, I think if you're going to still call it the wonder years, I think you base it in the same time period. Because I don't think people have, I think people are still nostalgic for that period of time. And also, it allows them to tell the story of a Black family during the Civil Rights Movement, which I think is still relevant today.
0: Right, but you could also set it in the Wonder Years and start it off with, say, the Rodney King riots. Yeah, you could And do then it. you move on through the years and end it with the O.J. Simpson trial. No. Like, uh, like, over the course of a series, not the season.
1: No, I realize that there are other periods of time that I think would be relevant for the, just the kind of story they want to tell, but I also don't see a problem with them returning to the 60s. Like,
0: okay.
1: There's probably still still some angles that they wouldn't have been able to tell with the original series that they can tell here. Anywho, that's it for me. Uh, television news, that's what we're talking about, television. Yep. Uh, you have here that you watched
0: a television show. I watched a television show on a whim last night. Okay. Scrolling through Netflix, trying to figure out what to watch. Something do popped my eyes. The babysitter's club. Okay. Real quick.
1: Do you have any whatsoever background with the original babysitter's club books that these are based on? You had a little sister. You still have a little sister. I should say, she did not go away. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's not disappeared at some point. Uh, Did she read these books in her youth? Were you around Babysitters Club books?
0: I was around them. I probably read them in like elementary school, but never had like an affinity towards them.
1: Okay.
0: I'm sure they were collected at some point, but I don't like have any direct stories that I can recall to them. Mm -hmm. I believe I did watch the movies that were based on them. Sure. Because, of course, that's something I've watched. So
1: on a whim, you were just like looking through Netflix and you're like, oh, I've heard of the Babysitter's Club. Let's put this on. It was like on. number
0: three on the trending thing. I was like, yeah. yeah, sure. Why not? So I've heard okay things about
1: this. I hear it's pretty well done.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. In short, yeah, it is really well done. It kind of threw me off uh, in the second episode when they changed narrators.
1: Yeah. I mean that the books were also from multiple perspectives.
0: But then I realized that yeah, that's from the books, the multiple perspectives. And then it changed errors again for the third and then the fourth episode. I was like, oh yeah, these are all just based off the books, which are different aspects and different yeah like different childhood growing ups. Yeah. Uh, fake series, fictional series.
1: Right. So my older sister was a huge fan of these books. She had
0: my wife is a huge fan.
1: A lot of them. Yeah, they're they're about about around the same age, so that checks Mm -hmm. out. Um she had like the huge like bookstore thing where it's like this wide. I mean it's wider, but I only have so
0: much Right, the scholastics thing.
1: Like thing where yeah, you got it from the scholastic thing. It was just the whole not the whole series, but maybe the whole series up to that point. Um, and yeah, she just, she loved those things. Like she just devoured those books. So I was around them. Like we were young enough where there would be times where like, you know, either my mom would read them to her or she would want to read them to us and like, you know, cute little kid stuff. And I did remember watching some of the adaptations, whether it be movies or I want to say there was a TV series at one point, because I have this vague recollection of a theme song that may or may not have existed that maybe I (laughs) need to YouTube because I'm pretty sure there was a theme song. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm pretty familiar with the Babysitter's Club. Okay. So I don't know. I may check this out. We'll see.
0: It's fun. I mean, I did get a weird question of why am I watching this? It's not necessarily for us, I guess you could say. No, but i watched it for the podcast, and because it's new, right. and because I think I saw it trending on Twitter at one point. So I was like, oh, this is like... In the current pop culture zeitgeist, yeah, of the week or month or whatever,
1: it seems like it's getting it's it's a it does a good job of adapting a kind of old at this point, like thirty year old franchise now. Eighties, I guess, even older than um, that for a new, more savvy audience. I guess for like younger kids, and
0: it kind of does that too because yeah. like one of the First, like overarching uh, themes are not themes, but I guess not. What am I thinking of here? Why am I drawing up? Am I drawing Blake on antagonists? One of the first antagonists uh-huh. is technology, and yeah. how like even though like these girls are supposed to be like middle school, and like have like updated technology, like they still rely on. Old, outdated landline. That's a joke they bring up. Like, do we need a landline? Well, no one else is going to have a landline. Okay, we're getting a landline. (laughs) And also, what's a landline? Right. And then how they're competing with like the high school versions who have current technology, have updated cell phones, can put together a YouTube video for advertising, can basically put out, pump out swag for everyone and like be hyper competitive of these middle schoolers versus high schoolers aspect at the same time growing up and finding who you are in middle school.
1: Yeah, no, that seems, that seems good. I'm glad that there's good stuff out there for, for young girls like this. Mm -hmm. um, I did
0: get a weird question of me between me watching this show and watching Diary of the Future President. (laughs) Why I'm, watching middle school girls <laughs> <laughs> television shows hey you know what you know like
1: different perspectives are are healthy and it helps you live a more well-rounded life that's what
0: i say well because i was also watching star versus the forces of evil and amphibia yeah
1: yeah, yeah you know so you know all sorts of <laughs> it's like
0: variety variety is a spice
1: life that's what i say it's a good uh uh like look balance for the freaking fallout show I think. You got to balance your like. Well, your, I got to balance oh, it out
0: for when uh, Umbrella Academy season yeah. two comes out at the end of the month.
1: Exactly. You'll get your gritty superhero apocalypse stories, balance them out with fun junior high stories. Everything needs a balance, you know? Yep. Anyway, let's move on to cancellations and renewals.
0: All right, what am I no longer watching?
1: Well, there's um, more. Th- renewals than uh, cancellations this week. Let's start from the top here. Speaking of reboots, Beavis and Butthead will be getting their second, yes, count that second reboot on MTV. The first one was back in 2011, believe it or not, already in itself about a decade old. Mm -hmm. This time they will be getting uh, two seasons coming to Comedy Central instead of MTV. Uh, And yes, uh, brand new Beavis and Butthead episodes Uh, Mike Judge will be involved. It seems like a lot of the creative team.
0: This is uh, part of the adult animation boom that's been going on for the past couple of years. Yeah. So if
1: you're nostalgic for the original run of Beavis and Butthead, well, here's more. Mm -hmm. Speaking of nostalgia for animated uh, shows of yesteryear, Clone High, uh, the cult show that some people know as the origin of Phil Lord and Chris Miller Yep. Um, is coming back as well. Originally, um, I think when, somewhere in the early two thousands.
0: Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. This all originally had one season, right? And then ended on a cliffhanger <laughs> they very
1: short lived, but it will return for another season again on Comedy Central. So
0: yeah, it's unsure if this is going to be a sequel or a reboot, right? But because of the way they ended the first season, they could totally do a sequel boot
1: yeah and uh not too dissimilar from our conversation that we had earlier about hamilton this also deals with historical figures um so it'd be interesting to see uh, how they approach historical figures in this day and age
0: and if you want to see all of clone High, i believe all episodes are available on youtube
1: yeah you can just youtube that show uh a friend of the show christy uh also a big fan of this show and it's on our list for some point. You need to watch it because I've never seen it. So Oh,
0: it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, I've heard it's good. So Yeah, what when
0: yeah. uh what was it? I think after Lego movie, I went back into Lord Miller's old stuff and I was yeah. like, oh, clone high. Hey, it's all on YouTube. Let me watch all of this.
1: I believe it also has some uh DNA of uh that led to Scrubs as a... Uh, the creator of Scrubs, I believe, was also... Uh, Lawrence,
0: producer? I believe. Yeah,
1: something Lawrence. Yeah. I forget his first name. But he was also producer on that show, so him and a lot of other talent that would later work on Scrubs and his other shows also started here. Bill so, Lawrence. Yeah. I think. so. it's this interesting kind of, like, crossroads where all these other creatives kind of went mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the 2000s. All
0: right. I'm by looking back at Freaks and Geeks.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moving on. Next up, Netflix is bringing back Never Have I Ever for a second season. Hulu is bringing back The Great for a second season. Oh, great. Netflix uh, has announced that the third season of The Kaminsky Method will be its final season. CW is canceling Katie Keene after one, let me tell you, very weak first season. I was not a fan of this. It started strong and had some promise but ultimately got bogged down and just, the characters are kind of boring and the stories didn't go anywhere. I dropped off mid first season, and yeah, not surprised this thing is not coming back. Netflix, reviving Dead to Me, a show that was originally not a Netflix show, was buried in network TV, again, in the early 2000s, um, for a third season. Uh, So fans of that show will be happy to see it continue. And uh, for at least one more season, because I believe that will be it. Yeah, they're only yeah. doing one more.
0: I think and that was, then, was supposed to be a movie that they just changed into a season, series. To a series, yeah. And
1: then uh, CW is uh, bringing back DC Star Girl, a current uh, success for them for a second season.
0: I think that was on what well, was previously a DC Universe exclusive, yes. but is moving to CW for everybody.
1: Right, they're moving it to network after, yeah, being a DC uh, Universe exclusive. And Netflix, lastly, is bringing back The Last Kingdom for a fifth season. I don't know what that is.
0: Let's, well, apparently it's not the last season.
1: not the last season of The Last Kingdom. It continues. Let's talk about deaths. We got some rough ones this week, unfortunately. First off, Bettina Gilois. Gilois.
0: Gilois,
1: Gilwa. sorry. The French is not yes. in me. Uh, age 58, a screenwriter. Uh, responsible for Bessie, Glory, Glory Road, in McFarland, USA. Mm-hmm. Then we have the two big ones this week. Ennio Morricone, age 91, a film composer. Arguably the most famous film composer. Uh, responsible for classics such as The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Once Upon a Time in the West, The Hateful Eight. More recently, basically created the sound we think of when we think of uh, Western, like the, so especially the spaghetti
0: West. Exactly, is, famous
1: yeah. for that that specific uh, that specific song. Much uh, among among a lot other very famous like songs we associate with the films set the West. Mm-hmm. Um, won an Oscar for The Hateful Eight back in twenty sixteen. So there you go. And then lastly, Charlie Daniels, Hall of Fame, country singer-songwriter, uh, responsible, of course, for it. The Devil Went Down to Georgia, uneasy writer, among others, won a Grammy back in 1980. And yeah, uh, the guy you think of when you think of country fiddle. Uh,
0: yeah, that was a big loss in this household when the news oh, yeah. broke. It's Like, oh no. Yeah. Yep, yeah. And then we cursed 2020 for other reasons, too.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure. It just keeps piling up on till 2020. Yep. And let's pivot then into
0: music where we can first talk about the billboard. And we start the billboard with the Hot 100, your singles chart. All and right. at number one, once again, Rockstar, from or by Da Baby, featuring Roddy Rich. <laughs> at number two, Oh, What's a Poppin' by Jack Harlow. But I want to say it's the baby again. Making the number two one two slots. Or you could say it's from Tori Lanez or by Lil Wayne. Because all four of them are on this out this song. Is it Lanez or Lane's? Lanez. I've always Lanes. read it Tory Lane's. It's probably Tory Lane's, but it's Lanez. <laughs> At number three, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Number four, Savage by Megan the Stallion, featuring Beyonce. And. At number five, Roses by Saint John. Saint John, yeah, so just in there on the top five.
1: Top five this to week.
0: Uh, as for your albums chart, your Billboard 200. Uh, once again, at number one, My Turn by Lil Baby, and number two, Just Cause Y'all Waited, <laughs> Two by Lil Dirk, mm-hmm. At number three. Blame it on baby by the baby and number four Hollywood's bleeding by post Malone and number five after hours by the weekend yeah uh, Lil well, Dirk the only new one up there.
1: so yeah the glacial pace the billboard charts are moving glacially lately.
0: Well this is uh, what happens in the summer though you always yeah. move guess so uh, but hey if you don't like any of those albums, we have new releases All right. Uh, first up is Healing is a Miracle by Juliana Barwick. Uh, we also have That's How Rumors Get Started by Margot Price. Dropped Frames, Volume 1 by Mike Shinoda. Will you be checking that one out? <laughs> Probably. He's been putting little stuff out. He even did like a whole Twitch stream of the album. Yeah. Last week, I believe. Okay. Um, But yeah, he's been putting out like little demos here and there of it. I believe they all are all video game concepts.
1: I was going to say, the name "Drop Frames definitely made me think of video games. That's why
0: I was on Twitch, and I've been seeing, because I follow him, I've been seeing him post like, hey, this is a thing from this old video game. Ah, Okay. Yeah. Uh, We also have The Waterfall 2 by My Morning Jacket. Yes, that My Morning Jacket. I guess so. Uh, we also have Unfollow the Rules by Rufus Wainwright. Uh, Jump Rope Gazers by The Beths. XOXO by The Jayhawks. And None of Us Are Getting Out of This Life Alive <laughs> by The Streets.
1: I mean, that's that's correct. They're not wrong.
0: I mean... Yeah, if it's by the streets, you're definitely not getting out of this alive. (laughs) All right, let's get into some music news, shall we? Shall we? This is a fun story and a not-so-fun story. Well, as we noted, Margot Price has a new album coming out. That's how rumors get started. Mm -hmm. And she is making sure that her fans in her hometown of Nashville don't have to go out for dinner or... For her new LP when her third album comes out on Friday. She's endeavoring to support several local restaurants as well as Grimey's Records to offer delivery of breakfast, lunch, and dinner packages that include a slab of vinyl as a substantial side to go with the breakfast tacos, Korean fried chicken, and collard greens. Uh, Not to leave it at that, she'll also be delivering a live set of music from her, quote, favorite local dive bar in Nashville, Dee's Country Cocktail Lounge. Although this, too, will be available for home delivery only as the 7 p.m. show will be streamed without an audience in tow at the club. Fans outside of the metro Nashville area will only be able to dream about the winner-winner chicken dinner, chili honey barbecue chicken, and other offerings being delivered by Mas Tacos Por Favor (laughs) for breakfast, Babo Korean Bar uh, for lunch, and Cafe Rose for dinner, (laughs) as delivery is limited to a three-mile area. (laughs) So you get dinner and a show if you live in Nashville. If you live in Nashville, miles of where this is happening. (laughs) It's a very
1: limited range. I thought this was cute. I thought this was a nice thing to do for her diehard fans. It's Um, smart. I'll give it that. Pretty good deal too, if you looked at the prices. Prices like records by themselves are not cheap. So like to get a record and a meal for like 35 bucks is isn't yeah bad. 35
0: for breakfast and then 65 for dinner which that dinner is gonna feed two or three people yeah not that's bad. a pretty good deal it's not bad at I all. mean yeah I mean Margot price is their third album so yeah. yeah if you're a fan this is a no-brainer so if you're a listener and a show If you're a listener in the Nashville metropolitan area
1: and you do this let us know send us an email see tell us how it goes
0: yeah. Send an email to mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, do note that you will need an actual um, device to play this on, though. Yeah. I'm
1: sure if somebody is a Margot Price fan living in Nashville to hear about this, they probably
0: own a record player. <laughs> this is my guess. I'm just to say that. You just get the vinyl. You're not getting a record okay. player with it. They're it's just the go. vinyl. Or rather, sorry, it's not just the vinyl. It's a side of vinyl. Yeah. The vinyl is on the side. It's not the main dish. Don't eat the record. I don't (laughs) recommend
1: you eat it. It's not good
0: for you to eat. It may be a bit rubbery.
1: Yeah, just a little bit.
0: Anyway. Anyways, our second story has to deal with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. Well, the 35th Annual Rock and and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony will be replaced with an exclusive HBO special due to the ongoing pandemic. It is the first time in history, or at least in the past 35 years, that the ceremony has had to be canceled. Mm -hmm. Earlier this year, we noted that Depeche Mode, the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, the the Notorious B.I.G., and T. Rex were announced as the Hall's 2020 inductees. The Ahmet Erdogan Award recipients included Irving Azoff, and Bruce Breenstein's manager, John Landau. The program will be available on HBO and to stream on HBO Max Saturday, November 7th at 8 p.m. And it will replace the live ceremony that was originally scheduled back on May 2nd. So yeah, we kind of knew that they were
1: going to have to cancel the actual show, so it's not super surprising. The interesting part is that they've whipped together some sort of special to show on HBO, which I'm really curious about what that will be.
0: Well, they have until November 7th. So it will be interesting to see if they, they get everyone together to perform something or, as they've done in the past, get other bands together to perform their songs as they're being inducted and then just have them somewhere either accepting the award or have someone from, say, the lead person or, in this case, Whitney Houston's estate accept the award via a Zoom call, Skype, what have you. Yeah,
1: this gives them some time to figure it out, figure out what they can do, what they have time to do, who can do things right now. Because probably it's hard probably for a lot of people to do performances with their whole band, I would imagine, at the moment.
0: Well, especially if you don't have the actual instruments at home and like rely on, say, a studio or yeah. somewhere else, like a venue, to provide those with you.
1: Yeah, A lot of moving parts.
0: Mm-hmm. All righty. Do you have any music to talk about?
1: Any thoughts? I didn't have anything new this week, so...
0: I do, i have not listened to new music for the past month.
1: Well, I guess that does it then. Let's move on then into video
0: games where there is stuff to talk about. All right. Well, let's uh, start with new releases then, shall we? As first up, we have Sword Art Online, colon, Alcization Likers for the PlayStation Xbox music. and PC. Got it. What?
1: Authorization Licorice. Got it.
0: No, it's not Licorice. It's Lycoris.
1: Oh, it's Lycoris. So yeah, not yeah,
0: yeah like, like Icarus. It's similar. Yeah, it's a thing in Sword Art Online. Don't ask me how I know.
1: Oh, wait, you're act- you actually have some knowledge here. Okay. I was like, this is gibberish to me.
0: I'm <laughs> sure it is gibberish to you. No clue. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but it continues the long tradition of colons in names. Yes. Which I'm sure we'll get to. uh, Yep, we will have another colon in the name. A lot more colons. Yep, because Deadly Premonition 2, colon, A Blessing in Disguise is available for the Switch. Yep, this week. We also have F1 2020 for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Fast Cars. Uh, Bloodstained, colon, Curse of the Moon 2 for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. So real quick. Uh, for people who are rightfully
1: confused about the Bloodstained games, this is a sequel to the like the eight-bit looking like side-scrolling one, not the hand-drawn like HD one that was the other Bloodstained game that was a bigger deal. This is like a smaller thing, which is why they were able to make a sequel so fast.
0: Okay. Uh, we also have Death Stranding coming to the PC. Neon Abyss for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. Rocket Arena, for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. And because you love colon so much, Story of Seasons, colon, Friends of Mineral Town, for the Switch and PC. If the phrase Friends of
1: Mineral Town sounds familiar to you, you might be a Harvest Moon fan. This is a spiritual remake of that game. I say spiritual because of many weird rights handling issues over the last decade with the Harvest Moon franchise, the developers of the original game, which I believe was a PSP game, um, are no longer able to call it Harvest Moon. I believe
0: Harvest Moon is still currently being used, that's why.
1: But by a a different license holder. So this is that game, but with the Harvest Moon name and stuff pulled out of it. That's my understanding about it. If you are a listener who are yelling at their screen or podcast right now saying I'm wrong, please write in and correct us, please. <laughs> it's very complicated.
0: All right. Well, let's get to some video game news where we get to yeah. some video game thoughts. Uh, Warner Interactive is in the news because Xbox may be interested in buying the company mm-hmm. as it's behind Batman colon, Arkham Knight, Mortal Kombat. And the Lego game series. Among others. Among others. at and has reportedly been considering selling off Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, which it wholly owns as part of its Warner Media subsidiary, as a way to reduce some of its debt. According to a new report from The Information, mm-hmm. Microsoft has emerged as a new potential buyer for the division. Mm-hmm. If Microsoft does end up making the purchase, that could place well-established studios such as Arkham's Rocksteady, Mortal Kombat's NetherRealm, Lego's Telltale Games, and Middle-Earth colon Shadow Wars Monolith as the newest Xbox game studios. It's important to note that many of Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment's best-known franchises are based on licensed intel, licensed IPs from other companies, mainly LEGO. And was it the Hobbit games? Yeah, Lord well, of the Rings. The, the uh,
1: Middle-Earth games. Middle-Earth
0: yeah. games, yeah. Uh, well, there's also DC games as well. Yeah. Most uh, of
1: the things Warner makes, turns out, except for Mortal Kombat, And that's pretty much
0: it. (laughs) Right. Uh, Those licenses won't necessarily transfer over in the purchase of the company. Individual agreements could be made, but the bottom line is that even if the studios do become part of Microsoft, the future of Batman, Harry Potter, and Lord of the Rings games won't necessarily follow. Yeah. Because those are IP that Warner owns and something that they license out to themselves.
1: Right. So there would have to be renegotiations if this happened. Uh, So as you know here, we don't usually talk about stuff that's not confirmed, but this story is an exception because Microsoft has made it very public that they're interested in purchasing the company and Mm -hmm. Warner has also made it very public that they are up for sale. Like there's nothing behind closed doors about this. It's probably going to happen. So when it does, uh, it'll probably work like their previous deals have ha- have where anything currently in development will probably still be able to uh, Happen with very little changes. So they'll still be able to put this supposed Harry Potter game out That's been leaked recently. They'll still be able to put out whatever Rocksteady has been working on next Like that stuff will not will probably not be stopped and it will continue to be multi-platform.
0: Right. But what Microsoft also-
1: is buying here is they're buying the talent, these really talented studios for whatever their next project will be. So they're potentially going to have, you know, like Monolith, whatever Monolith does after like the next Lord of the Rings thing or whatever Rock City does after the next DC Comics related thing and potentially some sort of Lego thing, you know, with Traveler's Tales. Like there's a lot of options here, but the crown jewel, in my opinion of this purchase is Mortal Kombat. This is getting them exclusive rights to Mortal Kombat, which would be a big boon for them, no pun intended. Uh-huh. Um, so, so yeah, it could be pretty cool um, it, it, Like to have this. Uh, like It's a big-selling franchise and could be really lucrative for them. Also, Mortal Kombat versus Killer Instinct
0: could be... A thing that happens now. I don't know. I mean they did allow DC characters to cross over into Mortal Kombat. Yeah. So it's not so, like a, a absurd thing to think of.
1: So it makes a lot of sense. Microsoft can afford to do it. And it's a really good stable of developers to have in there on their team. So I don't see any reason for them not to do it.
0: Mm, I wonder if like some of the teams maybe want to go over to Microsoft or not go, go over to Sony and be part of their studio? No, so he's got to
1: pony up the money then.
0: like Right, but that's the thing though, that if they sell off the whole thing, is it just one big company or can they sell off like these to one people, this to one person, so my understanding, to another?
1: my understanding is that these studios are wholly owned uh, by Warner. So if the Warner purchase happens, they go with them. I think what we've seen in the past with companies like... Uh, like what happened in Midway and what happened like way back in the day mm-hmm. where things kind of split into different franchises. I think that came out of the fact that there was not one buyer that wanted it. That was from liquidation after bankruptcy. That's not what's happening here. This is basically is basically t saying like, we don't want this. We're not going to just let, wait until they basically self implode. We're just going to sell it the whole cloth. So you're not going to see a... Auction of IP, like you've had with other things, that everything is going to go with the bot to the per- person who buys it. It's winner take all. Mm. So no, you're not going to get you're not going to get any of the specific studios elsewhere. If Microsoft buys it; they get all of them.
0: So it's like a cable bundle. Yeah, kind of. You, you get one Viacom channel, you get them all. You get them all <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. I like the creative diversity. But as we've seen in the past three years or so, Microsoft and Sony are, have created their own yeah. umbrella corporations for all these brands.
1: It makes sense for what Microsoft's been doing for the last few years.
0: Mm-hmm. To make a lot of sense. Yep. All right. All right. Uh, our last story here uh, follows Evo. Uh, as following allegations of abuse against organizer Corey uh, Cooler. Queller,
1: Queller. Queller. Evo 2020.
0: Those those who
1: don't know is a fighting game tournament. Uh,
0: Well, you may not need to know that any longer because Evo 2020 has been canceled. Yeah. Uh, Likewise, uh, Mr. Joey is no longer associated with the event with Tony Cannon stepping in as acting CEO. In a statement shared to Twitter, the company says they'll be issuing refunds for badges and donating what they've raised to Project HOPE, an international health and humanitarian organization. Uh, this comes on the heels of multiple studios pulling out of the event, including, are these studios or these games? Uh, including Dragon Ball Fighters their yeah. Z and Tekken 7 publisher, Bandai Namco, uh, the recently mentioned Mortal Kombat 11 studio, Netherrealm, Street Fighter 5 Studios, uh, Capcom, and Them's fighting Herd Studio, <coughs> Main 6.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, earlier today, uh, Queller was placed on administrative leave as allegations of misconduct were made on Twitter. So this is the yeah. end of Evo.
1: For this year. They're this restructuring year. the company, it sounds like. They're figuring out, uh, they're trying to apologize to fans and like figure out what the next steps are uh, for the tournament as it continues in the pre- in future years. And the fighting community is kind of grappling with it right now. No- again, no pun intended. Okay. Uh, I think ultimately this was the right call. I think after you have these major companies... Basically, pulling out of the thing, you had no choice but to cancel it. You can't have Evo without Street Fighter. Like, just what is it then?
0: Smash Brothers.
1: If you're only gonna have Smash Brothers, then you that's not Evo. That's just Smash Brothers. And Nintendo also probably would have been very quick. It's important to note: Smash Brothers was not officially in Evo this year. If it had been, Nintendo probably would have pulled it too. So yeah, you saw very like quick movement on this thing. This whole story basically took place in about 24 hour in a 24 hour period is very quick. It was already going to be an on loan online only event anyways this year. So it was already a write off, like kind of like real sports. There were going to be asterisks next to all these winners anyway. Right. So it's not a big deal. The fighting game community relatively understands, but they also take their ser- their, their fighting seriously. And they also wanted action quick about the things that this guy was
0: discovered to have done it's a different kind of fighting different that kind they have of to kind of do now
1: so yeah, I think ultimately they did the right thing, uh, but it's going to take a lot of work, I think on these people's behalf to regain the trust of the fighting community, and hopefully they're going to work on it mm
0: mm-hmm. and last bit of news real quick um n b a two k yes. revealed their latest or their final <laughs> cover athlete uh, for their legacy edition, and that is that of Kobe Bryant. Noted, yeah. he has already been a cover athlete for the legacy edition back in 2010. Right. In so, this story was almost my second story.
1: Um, I wanted so badly to include three stories this week, because this one's equally as big. Yeah. Not necessarily for that reason, but because of the other side of the story, the, which is... UK wants to charge $70 for the standard edition of NBA 2K21. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are seeing this as the first sign that there is a strong possibility that if other developers fo- fo- follow suit, the average video game price could be going up to 70 for the new generation.
0: Right, especially since this the little price prices for Xbox and Xbox is doing the What's it called? Play forward?
1: Uh, uh, Play pass? Something delivery.
0: It's, yeah.
1: Smart delivery.
0: Spark, yeah, the, the forward delivery. for If you buy Play it pass. this generation, you get it next generation. Make a
1: football move. Right. <laughs> yeah. and So I guess it's their way of kind of like insurance in a way of being like, well, if we're going to do the extra work to port this thing to next gen and make these improvements, then... Let's up all the prices
0: $10. It's a but, scary precedent. Yes, but do you realize that this game will still be reeled with microtransactions everywhere? Yeah.
1: And that's kind of the other side, why like some people are saying like, hey, wait until other companies talk because this is a series that has a uh, history of being, yeah, being this machine for microtransactions. And so some people are being like, oh no, they just want a nickel and dime people who are going to buy this anyways. NBA 2K is also a game that routinely becomes very, very cheap and or maybe free within months of its release. In fact, NBA 2K20 is free this month.
0: On right, for a uh, PlayStation.
1: Yeah. So it goes to show you that really, who knows if we can trust this as a bellwether at the times, but it seems like it started a conversation which might get, other developers and publishers thinking about the possibility of upping their games to 70 as well
0: maybe but also do realize that these sports games are seasonal games either you buy it when the season begins or within the first couple months but with nba usually a christmas present because their season begins november into december yeah even though the game comes out in september yeah Uh, yeah but these are seasonal games and that's why you'll see them priced high initially for the first half of their season and then immediately drop in the back half
1: they know people will be one part of of, want to be part of the zeitgeist of when it releases when the season is new and fresh Mm -hmm. and you want to be talking about the game while there's real games happening and that's a small window so yeah they know that people are going to pony it up yep anyway
0: Anything
1: Anyways, else to say about that story before we move on to some brief thoughts here?
0: Um, no, uh, just that the Kobe Bryant Legacy Edition cost $99. Yeah. Uh, but you'll be getting the next-gen, basically, when it comes out, a code for it when it comes out. Yep. Uh, but, okay, so that's it for video game news. Oops. That gives us the remaining of our time here to talk about The Last of Us Part 2, which we Got into briefly last time. Yeah. So this still isn't going to be our big
1: conversation. I'm going to hold off until I finish the game. It okay. may take a while, though, because I have extremely limited time that I can play a video game when I'm not working, when I have access to the television, and when I'm not on the phone. Is maybe two or three hours, maybe twice a week.
0: <laughs> How is it on your 4K, though?
1: So... Let me, yeah, so I just wanted to get that across before we, before I jumped in. Okay. So that's why I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about my impressions, but I've played the first about four to five hours of the game. Uh, for your reference, um, I will say I'm to the point where I experienced some of the open world stuff in Seattle.
0: Okay, so you're in and Seattle.
1: I have been captured. Okay. I stopped playing right after I have made an attempt to escape and I'm about to battle my first uh uh battle with people with guns.
0: Okay, so you're still in day 1 then.
1: <laughs> right. That's why I'm like kind of getting that ahead ahead of time just saying like I am only I'm sure scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. I am not even close to getting into the meat of the game. I understand that the big stuff happens later. So I'm going to withhold kind of my broader judgments about the narrative for a later conversation so what i'll say so far about what i've experienced in these first handful of hours it sure looks good like it is a beautiful looking game i mean if you're in like if you want something that looks like realism this Mm -hmm. is probably the closest we've gotten like the fidelity on that 4k tv with hdr is incredible like I'm just in awe of the scenes where you're on the horse and you're just moving through kind of the greenery. Because each individual leaf is like textured and like everything moves like it would and just the sunlight coming through the trees is pretty spectacular. The game looks great. The technology, unparalleled. I mean, Naughty Dog's also always been, their, their biggest thing has been their technology. And it never ceases to amaze. Like they're, pulling out all the stops of this, just, like, the way that glass breaks when you throw a brick through it, like, the way that there's little details in everything. How about
0: those rope physics?
1: The rope <laughs> physics, like, the fact that, like, you just, you realistically feel the tension when you pull back on the rope that has an end. Just little details like that are Naughty Dog's bread and butter, and they're in full display here. As for playing the game, um, I'm a little bit more mixed on it so far. It reminds me a lot of that first game. It seems like they're using a lot of the same uh, rhythms and uh, quirks of that first game's experience, almost to a scary t for me, where I'm like, oh man, this is just the same kind of thing. Like I said, though, I'm not to a lot of new experiences that I'm sure will happen. I least I hope, will happen later in the game. But so far, in the first five hours or so, it feels like I'm in 2013 again, and I don't know if that's a good thing. It's very much a same kind of experience that I got from the first time around, where it's these, like, the, the same kind of stealth encounters, the same kind of, uh, you know, maintaining your inventory and your ammo, uh, building things, leveling up your abilities, um, the same kind of breaks where you're just looking through these abandoned buildings, and the same kind of puzzles that you're solving, whether it be plugging in a generator or, um, finding a gate code and entering the gate code. It just feels very rote, and I keep waiting for it to do something new, and even that open world period which is ostensibly the new thing that it does at least compared to the first game was kind of already done in uncharted 4 and feels very similar even though it's a horse this time and not a car to me it feels very similar to what i had already done in uncharted 4. so that's kind of my feeling about it so far like i'm wowed by the visuals and again i'll keep my story talk until later because i don't know where it's going uh but as for the game that I'm playing, I am not that thrilled so far. It's very what I expected it to be, and I'm not wowed.
0: I mean, I get that. There's not a whole lot of like new weapons you can no. introduce. I mean, it's stealth and gunfire. gunfire.
1: It's almost beat for beat the same thing as the first game in a way so far, where I feel like feel like it's a lot set up in the same way where I'm getting the same items and like progression the same times I got in the first game. Like I just got the revolver and I was like, this is too reminiscent of when I got the revolver
0: in the first game. Right, but I will note uh, that have Ellie having the knife and having to deal with shivs and, yes. and using shivs is it's a
1: big quality
0: of life big, improvement. Yeah,
1: I'm glad. I can't imagine going back to having to worry about that because that was that was my least favorite part about first game it's the thing that created the most like having to do the same encounter over and over thing in the first game was definitely having to make sure i had a shift for the clickers Mm
0: -hmm. or even using a shift to open a door do i want to open a door do i want to save the shift because i know i have an encounter coming up right
1: and i do have to say though that the base the combat is still fun like I like the combat in the original game and I like it here. Um, I think ultimately what I keep telling myself is that I just have to get to later because I know already that some things do change mechanically and I'm interested to see what kind of things they do. So I'm just not so
0: into it so far. Okay, well, you'll get there. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, I've I've been going back and playing the chapters and trying to 100% the game. Yeah. And because I've been doing that, I've been playing a lot with the accessibility settings. Right, right. One of them being turning off textures and doing the highlighted mode. God, it helps so much. (laughs) Because all the textures and the way they do lighting, things are hidden so well in that game. That's like, yeah, I'm going to need to essentially turn on cheats to find things.
1: But that's another thing, though. That's another thing, though. Sometimes they are, and sometimes they're absolutely not. And what I mean by that is like, yeah, if you're trying to 100% something, yeah, there's going to be stuff that they've hidden pretty well. Mm -hmm. But there's some stuff that they haven't hidden well at all that is extremely video gamey and takes me out of the realism that they're so desperately trying to convey.
0: Are you playing on Moderate?
1: No, I cranked it way down. Oh, okay. Um, I'm at very light because I'm just trying to get through this.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. See, I played on moderate and even then I found like I was finding a lot of stuff just lying yeah. around very easily. But the thing that
1: I'm talking about is not something that I think that would be obfusc- obfuscated on lower on harder difficulties where there's literally a the code for the safe on the whiteboard in the same room that the safe is in.
0: Oh, no. See, I'm talking about, like, getting all the um, trading cards.
1: No. I know what you're talking about. That's what I meant by, like, if you're trying to 100% it, there is stuff that's legitimately hidden. Mm -hmm. But that was glaring to me, and I was just like, that's like, Rick, it's not 2007 anymore. This isn't Bioshock 1. Like, I feel like we can't do that as, like, video game. Like, the video game industry is not, like, you need to think further than that. It's their
0: hurdle of a puzzle, yeah. but it's not really a puzzle. No, it's not. I just, I was disappointed
1: to see that a 2020 game that, mm-hmm. absents, that that does so much other stuff to seem very modern and stuff that nobody's done before in a video game to do something so elementary just, again, it took me out of the realism of
0: it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the saves are annoying. Like It's not like, oh, I have to fine like it's
1: and the gate code stuff is a little silly to me too where i'm just like oh i have all of these on one piece of paper that's nice yeah convenient i don't know yeah it's a work in progress i'll see how i feel as it goes on uh but yeah it's uh it made a weird first impression on me is what i'll say
0: (laughs) yeah uh once i finish the 100 percent, i'm gonna need to actually go back in and play it again through New Game Plus to get the hundred percent because you have to upgrade everything. But yeah, I mean I'll I'll play through the story again. Maybe by the time we podcast next week. So okay. I've the story twice. See I you, you may you may not really get, get that all this
1: time because man, I could use some of that time. You have some spare time you can give me <laughs> anyway. I'll finish it eventually, maybe in August.
0: All right. And, That's we'll get it. There. and I think that does it for us then. I think so. All right, let's wrap it up.
1: Let's wrap or it plug up. Away. Thank you for joining us this edition of the Media Boat Podcast. We'll be back next week with another live to YouTube taped uh, version of the podcast for you. You can see us on YouTube if you go to youtube.com slash, or no, just search Media Boat Podcast in YouTube and you'll find our page. We put all our archives of these uh podcasts on there as well as archives of us playing games like the last of us part two so check that out you can also listen to the podcast in podcast form an audio only form by looking it up in your podcast service of choice just search media boat podcast you can also find us on social media on twitter our handle is at media boat Cast. on facebook just search media boat podcast and you'll find our page like comment whatever you want to do on there you can also email us directly with questions, comments, or anything uh, else at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, just as a little, like, hint of maybe what's to come. Um, keep your eye on mediaboatpodcast.com because there may be some movement there uh, because uh, I just got charged for it again. And so I'm paying for the thing. Might as well remember to actually use it. So, uh, yeah, we'll, maybe we'll talk about post pod about what we want to do with that thing since we have it um and yeah so maybe keep an eye on that web page it may or may not change soon so uh thanks for joining us we'll be back next week with another episode see you then okay bye